This is a People First Radio podcast. Sport at the highest level can come with pressure. That pressure can pose unique challenges to mental health, says Catherine Tamnan, who focused on the well-being of young elite athletes in a piece written for The Conversation. The University of Toronto professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Physical Education joined me to share more. I'm Catherine Tamanen. I'm an associate professor in the Faculty of Kinesiology and Physical Education at the University of Toronto. And we're here today to talk about elite youth athlete mental health. Maybe a good a good place to start is what do we mean when we say elite youth athlete? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think it's easy to know or to think about what a youth athlete is. So typically this is an individual who is not yet an adult, although we know that emerging adulthood tends to extend maybe beyond the age of 18. But typically for our work that we are doing, we're thinking about youth athletes as those between the ages of 12 to 17. And um, when we're talking about elite youth athletes, we are here thinking about those adolescent athletes who are training in really performance-focused, highly demanding training environments. So these are athletes who are um, training in programs or in environments where there is like a clear goal of progressing to elite adult sport environments and training and performing nationally and internationally, going on to really there's those highest levels of performance um, eventually in their adult years. So we see that, um, you know, even at the Olympics, we see some adolescent athletes competing there and they are clearly training and competing internationally at very high levels. And when we talk about elite youth athletes, we sometimes also think about the fact that because of these really intensive training demands that they are having to engage in in order to compete at those really high levels, um, they might also be missing out on some other experiences that other teenagers might have. So their school might be um, extended or put on hold, or they might have to you know, change their school schedules in order to be able to compete and train the way that they do. Um, they might not be spending time with friends outside of sport. It's really all focused around that sport environment. And so those are some of the things that we um, think about when we're talking about elite youth athletes. And so just there you were mentioning some of the pressures that they might face. What do we know about how that impacts their mental health? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of the things that we're really emphasizing here is that there is a lack of research on the mental health of elite youth athletes compared to um, adult athletes who are at those elite levels. So we are seeing that when it comes to adult athletes, who are you know, Olympic and Paralympic athletes, individuals who are training at the highest levels and competing at the highest levels of their sport, um, we are seeing more research about their mental health symptoms and conditions. Um, and at those levels with adults, we see that athletes are sometimes as likely or in some cases more likely to report um, symptoms of mental health concerns like depression, anxiety, eating disorders, um, and then other mental health concerns. So um, in some cases, elite adult athletes might be experiencing more 
mental health concerns compared to a general population. Um, but when it comes to youth athletes who are on that pathway into that level as adults, there's actually just a lack of research um, on these um, topics. We do know, though, that um, one topic that has been studied in this area among adolescent uh, elite youth athletes is around the topic of eating disorders. And so we do see that um, some of the research focusing on eating disorders as one facet of mental health has identified that in some sports and for some athletes, um, the uh, risk of eating disorders is quite high among elite youth athletes. Uh, so we can think about some sports that are more weight dependent, where you have to weigh in in order to sort of compete in a certain class, or if it's an aesthetic sport. So if there's a focus on uh, the appearance of the body or leanness, so even might not be a weight class, but you just uh, there's a sort of this idea that athletes might perform better if they're at a leaner, lower weight, then um, some of those factors might increase the risk of eating disorder for elite youth athletes. I would imagine that there's a real tension between high level competitive sport and maybe the idea of a psychologically safe or a safe sport environment. How can those things coexist? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think there can be a tension, but I think we also have seen examples where athletes are competing and training at very high levels and their sport environment and the people around them are providing really positive, supportive experiences. So it's not it's not like it can't happen. It's just that um, we'd like to see it happen more often, that those environments are supportive and safe and prioritize athletes' well-being. Um, some of the tensions that arise can be around um, this idea of a, a performance win at all costs mentality that is not something that just permeates from the athlete, but that they are experiencing from their coaches whose own jobs and performance might depend on how the athlete performs. Um, it might come from their sport organization or even the pressure to perform in order to be able to qualify to get to the next level of sport or for athletes to maintain their funding or to you know, receive sponsorship. There's this idea that you know, we, we have to keep winning in order to maintain that performance and to keep moving forward. And so that can create an environment that might pose a risk of harm for athletes' mental health and well-being. So there's this idea that I just have to sort of neglect my, my well-being and my emotions and my, my feelings and the distress that I might be experiencing because I, I have to keep performing. So that can potentially contribute to some of those negative outcomes. And so how do I avoid that if I'm either a youth athlete or someone involved with a youth athlete? Mm -hmm. So we know that um, supportive environments um, structured by the people around the athletes can really help in maintaining and supporting their mental health and mental well-being. So here we see some of the, you know, the primary agents who are closest to the athletes are really parents and coaches and also teammates. So um, parents are hugely supportive um, and can play a big role because they spend a lot of time with their child. They can probably also you know, be the ones to identify whether or not their child is experiencing challenges or problems and they might notice a change in their mood or their behavior. So parents might be able to see some of those early warning signs and can try to reach out to get help for their athlete, for their child. Um, but coaches are also 
uh, really uniquely positioned to try to notice and provide support and provide referrals for athletes who need support as well. So I think that those are two key agents. Um, but also, I, I think that they also play an additional role in emphasizing athlete well-being through their words and their language and prioritizing all of the things that we know are helpful for performance, but also for mental health. So sleep, you know, being well-fed, being rested, um, appropriate training and not overtraining. So the more that coaches and parents are emphasizing all of those dimensions of well-being for the person, uh, the better that will be for their mental health. So it's not an either or thing where it's like, I need to put a little less focus on being good at sports so my mental health can be better. It's the things that are going to be good for my mental health are oftentimes the same things that will help me do well. It can be, yeah. And I, I think it's a really tricky area because there are some athletes who um, will say, I think there's some you know anecdotes from Michael Phelps when he was really at the peak of his his sport performance at the Olympics and winning just armloads of medals. And yet he was saying that for him, those were some of the hardest times for him when it came to his mental health and experiences of um, depression. So, um, you know, high peak performance is not always going to be associated with really positive mental health. Um, sometimes those things, athletes are performing well in spite of a lot of their psychological challenges and concerns they're experiencing, not you know, because of them. So we don't want to always just prioritize performance. Ultimately, especially when it comes to elite youth athletes, I mean, these are people, they're children, they're adolescents, they are going to go on and have long, full lives beyond their sport. And so we really want to make sure that we're prioritizing their overall well-being, which can also have positive impacts for their performance. Um, but we shouldn't be prioritizing the performance outcome as sort of the first thing that we want to focus on. Speaking of which, I'm wondering, we talked about maybe the team around an athlete or the athlete themselves, the people really close to them. But I'm wondering maybe about our culture more broadly and our culture around sport. Are there parts of it that could be shifted, things we could do differently to lessen some of the negative impacts that sport could have on athlete mental health? Mm -hmm. It's a great question and certainly a thorny issue, right? Trying to change some of those broader cultural things to try to improve conditions for athletes and probably for everyone. Um, but I think some of the things that we do here are really around to the idea of stigma in talking about mental health and mental health concerns. Um, and that might be particularly pronounced among some athletes who may feel that you know talking about their mental health might come at a cost because it might cost me a spot on the team. I might not get selected to go to the Olympics. I might not get selected to you know, get that playing time. So I think that that idea of stigma and the potential consequences of talking about mental health can be really, really high stakes for athletes, and especially for young elite athletes where you know they might feel like, well, if I don't make it on this team, then I might not have another chance. Like this feels really high stakes. So that might lead to them not talking about it or if they do talk about it, it might get kind of brushed under the rug or downplayed because we have to keep going. We have to keep performing. So um, I think if we can try to destigmatize that topic of mental health and also remove some of those potential consequences that we fear when it comes to talking about 
mental health in sport, um, I think that that could be really helpful. So athletes not fearing that their whole sport career is going to be over if they do start to talk about these things or ask for help. Um, and I think that probably extends to people more broadly, right? I think a lot of people would probably benefit from that reduction in the stigma associated with talking about mental health. I like that you mentioned that as a kind of a twofold thing, getting rid of the stigma and also or which is getting rid of the consequences that can occur if you do start to talk about that. I think one of the last things that I'll mention that I think is really important is just the availability and resources for mental health support for everyone, whether it's young elite athletes that we're talking about today or, you know, all facets of Canadian society. I think increasing availability and accessibility of mental health supports is really helpful. Oftentimes we hear stories where, you know, parents or coaches don't know who to talk to or they try to talk and reach out and get help for their child and there's a waiting list. They don't know which um, psychological support provider is the best one. So I think if we can increase that conversation about um, getting access and ensuring that wait times are shorter so that we can get care more quickly, I think that's really important. Catherine, thank you so much for hopping on the call and taking the time to speak with me. Great. Thanks for having me. Catherine Taminen is an associate professor in the Faculty of Kinesiology and Physical Education at the University of Toronto. People First Radio, People First Media, and People First Stories are community media projects of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society and are produced in Nanaimo, British Columbia. The opinions expressed do not necessarily represent the views of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society or its broadcast, podcast, and social media partners. 